I just wanted to throw in here too a quick thank you to Audio Jungle and Invado Market, sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, for allowing me to buy the rights to my music for the intro and outro to my podcast episodes. Hello friends and welcome or welcome back to my podcast called Busy Buddy. My name is Taylor Avery and I'm currently a student at Shepherd University and each episode I go over different conspiracy theories that are out there. A conspiracy theory is a belief that there is a different group or reason responsible for a circumstance or an event. Some theories can be fascinating and some are ridiculous at times, but I personally feel like they are all interesting to think about. If you're busy and you need a buzzy to tell you a story, then you've came to the right place. A healthy reminder, these are conspiracy theories and are completely speculation. I'm not saying any of these are true or accusing anyone of anything. It is complete speculation. This will be part three of what I call my Ocean Mystery series. Part one was episode seven where I discuss the strange events that occur within the Bermuda Triangle. Part two was episode eight focusing on where the lost city of Atlantis is located if it even has one specific location. And now hopping into the conspiracy theory that is responsible for me falling into the conspiracy theory hole. It's the Titanic conspiracy theory. I'm going to go over a quick summary of the Titanic and then jump into the theories because there's one theory in particular that I'm going to go in depth about. The Titanic, if you didn't know, it's a famous ship and it sank in the middle of the night in April of 1912. It had over 2,200 passengers and crew on board headed from Southampton, England to New York here in America. It sank in under three hours after striking an iceberg, which was very shocking since it was deemed as unsinkable. Only 600 to 700 people survived the sinking. There are three theories associated as possible explanations as to why the ship sank other than it being just a freak accident. The first one is called the Cursed Mummy Theory. It goes that a British editor on board the Titanic was spreading claims of a mummy that caused mysterious destruction and disaster in London. Not necessarily that the mummy was on board the ship though. A surviving passenger from the Titanic remembered him spreading this story of the mummy's curses, and then the Washington Post picked up on the story. It's unclear, though, as to whether the survivor or the Post created the idea that the mummy was actually on board. A different surviving passenger, Margaret Brown, actually did claim to have Egyptian artifacts with her on board the Titanic, but not a mummy, and there is no record of a mummy being on board but artifacts in general can be known to have curses associated with them. The next theory is called the rivalry. This one bases that the ship sinking was intentional. So J.P. Morgan, who will be explained later, but for now just know he is involved with sponsoring the company that built the Titanic. He is very powerful, and he was said to allegedly want to kill his rivals, millionaires Jacob Astor, Isidore Stratus, and Benjamin Guggenheim. Every single one of these rivals were on board the Titanic, and they did all perish whenever it sank. J.P. Morgan himself was never on board. While that theory is interesting to think about, it does somewhat tie in with the final theory, which I will be heavily focusing on today, and it is called the Switched Ships. This one goes that the sinking was intentional, but for insurance money. It ultimately claims that the Titanic was switched out with its damaged sister ship, the Olympic. Hopping into the facts surrounding this theory, let's look specifically at facts about the Titanic. Rewinding way back to when the Titanic was built, 
It also had two sister ships built with it. This means that they were of the same line of ships, but built by the same company, which was under White Star Line. These ships were called the Olympic and the Britannic. The Titanic was built and set sail on April 10th of 1912 with all of its passengers and crew. We know that the night of April 14th, 1912, the Titanic struck an iceberg and had completely sunk. 705 people, to be exact, survived thanks to the lifeboats, considering the water was 28 degrees, but everyone else, including the captain, unfortunately did not survive. It is a fact that there were only a total of 20 lifeboats, making survival chances extremely slim, especially for men, because they were saving the women and children first. Now looking at the weather aspect that night. Normally ships sink because of weather issues, a storm, rough waters, but the night the Titanic sank, it was a perfectly clear night and plenty of visibility to see an iceberg. Researchers found it strange that it sank into a completely calm sea. Let's rewind a little further back to 1819 for a second to look at a book that was written and published titled The Wreck of the Titan by Morgan Robertson. This book was about a boat named Titan, and it sunk due to striking an iceberg, and that boat was also said to be unsinkable. Just some interesting alignments that need to be pointed out. Now let's move on to the facts surrounding the one sister ship, the Olympic. The Olympic was put into service June 1911. Now, this ship had a rough start and a lot of problems, but one of the largest was when it collided with another ship called the HMS Hawk in September of 1911. White Star Line, who built the Olympic, was found reliable for the collision by the Royal Navy, and they needed to pay for the damage of both of the ships and the legal fees. This was a huge insurance disaster, and the Olympic ended up with a leaning towards the left issue, which the insurance did not want to cover because it was too expensive to fix. This detail is important to remember. The quotations Olympic after this went out to have a successful 24-year career serving during World War I as a warship and then as a passenger ship. The incident, though, of the Olympic not sinking despite having a major accident was actually what gave the entire company of White Star Line the reputation of unsinkable. Specifically, though, after the Olympic's insurance accident, it was also important to note that it was docked in Belfast where the Titanic was being built at the time. Moving right along, let's now focus on the facts surrounding the man himself, J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan was an American financer and baker who dominated the corporate finance on Wall Street throughout his time. He contributed to the creation of Chase Bank, which is still around today. White Star Line, as we know, was a company who was known for building ships and all sorts of different ones. The connection between these two is that White Star Line became property owned by the International Mercantile Marine Company, and that was financed by Morgan. Morgan also specifically financed the building of the Titanic and its sister ships, with the Titanic and the Olympic looking extremely similar. Now, when it came time for passengers to board the Titanic for its journey to America, strangely, many very wealthy people who bought tickets either backed out or did not show up at all. This included J.P. Morgan himself saying he was sick. Transitioning from all those facts into the theory, the Titanic allegedly was not the Titanic. 
the Olympic, after being badly damaged, is suspected to be switched with the Titanic and is suspected to be the actual ship that set sail and sank on purpose to collect the insurance money. But how, you may ask? One thing is that there's not really video at all during this time, and there's not a lot of photography, documentation, or media in general. Also, many people were really poor, so the people who were in charge and who were rich would pay the people who were poor and worked on the ships a lot of money, or threaten them even, to keep them from saying anything or spreading information that the rich didn't want to be known or out there. The portholes are the first factor we're going to look at. As I suggest, every episode googling images will help the visualization, but I will do my best to describe what I'm looking at. As I mentioned too, while photography was not very accessible at the time, there's a good collection of photographs to view when looking at this theory. Anyways, back to the portholes detail. The Titanic bow had 14 portholes in construction pictures of it, and the Olympic had 16 portholes. The day the Titanic set sail, it suddenly had 16 portholes. This can be viewed in construction pictures of the two and in drawings of their ship's construction plans. The windows are another factor. Windows on the Titanic from construction pictures were large and evenly spaced. The Olympic was known for having thin, unevenly spaced windows. Then, on the day the Titanic left, its windows were thinner and unevenly spaced. There is a good image that places the two on top of one another to notice this uh, detail difference. The nameplate is the next detail. The nameplate of the Titanic is longer on the ship on its maiden voyage than when compared to it being built. This is suspected to be longer and more stretched out as it had to cover the word Olympic which occupied more space. Next, Lawrence Beasley is a science teacher who watched the Titanic set sail. He noticed that the Titanic was leaning to the left and was concerned about it. He also would have no idea about the Olympics leaning to the left issue as it was not public knowledge at the time. The Titanic had no reason to lean to the left. An additional observation is made by the New York Times, who spotted J.P. Morgan and his girlfriend out having a wonderful time and a good day the day the Titanic sank, even though he claimed to be sick, that's why he didn't board. Fast forwarding now to modern times and observing the Titanic from its sunken state, James Cameron is a successful filmmaker who made a documentary about the Titanic, and when looking for it, he took pictures and footage of the sunken ship. He captured the inside of the Titanic, and when looking really close, you can clearly see the large letters M.P. In a documentary, they even highlight this detail. I want to now include as well the rumors that contribute to this theory because, after all, theories are speculations based on people's thoughts, opinions, and hearsay. There were rumors already going around the town in general while the Titanic was still being built that the company had planned to switch the ships and sink the one for insurance money. Additionally, while it was being built, there was a coal strike, meaning thousands of people were out of work and desperately looking for jobs. Yet the Titanic supposedly had almost impossible time trying to find people due to the town rumors. Nobody wanted to go near it or work on it. It is said that any Olympic name on the ship was replaced with the Titanic name. 
but it is rumored that they never switched the lifeboats, so some lifeboats apparently had the Olympic name on it. Many speculate this whole plan was allegedly covered up by our government in America once they found out what happened because they wanted to use white Starline ships for World War I. World War I was about to start, so allegedly they agreed to cover it up in exchange for some warships. One specific person, a man by the name of James Fenton, who worked on the ship, actually admitted on his deathbed that the Titanic did not sink that day. It was the Olympic. He claims that he survived the sinking, and once him and the rest of the crew of the ship that survived got on land, people from the government were there waiting for them. Him and his co-workers told them that they were aware they were on the Olympic, and the government responded with threats to throw them in jail and ruin their lives. Another specific form or way the government is speculated to have responded to James and his co-workers is they read the crew an official secrets act, explaining that if they told the real reason for the sinking or the rumors of an insurance scam, they would serve a minimum of 20 years in jail and would never get a job when they get out. So, same idea, just with a title. There is a final factor that goes into this extensive theory, which is another ship called the SS Californian, to which I'm just going to call the Californian from now on. The Californian was a passenger ship, and it was supposedly predominantly planned to be near the Titanic when it sank to rescue everyone. Unfortunately, the communication person on the Californian was said to have fallen asleep and did not hear any of the SOS messages coming from the Titanic. It is a fact that the Californian was sailing near the Titanic when it sank, but it was not carrying passengers even though it was a passenger boat, and oddly its cargo was filled with sweaters and blankets. Additionally, at the time the Titanic sank, there was another boat near the Titanic called the Samson. There is an image I found, I'm sure you can too, it lays out the spacing because I'm poor at articulating this part but the Samson was in between the Titanic and the Californian. So when attempting for the Titanic and the Californian to communicate with each other, they both mistook the Samson as one another. If the plan was true that the Titanic needed to communicate with the Californian, this just made things more complicated. After the Titanic sank, U.S. Senate and British Board of Trade held hearings about the ship. White Star Line officials came out and said that they thought that it was an unsinkable ship, and if something were to happen, they thought it would take a span of hours to days for it to actually sink. So, theory-wise, if they were planning to sink the ship, they believed that they had plenty of time to save all of the passengers and get them to the Californian safely, when in fact the boat sank in less than two hours. That is a majority of the details that goes into this theory, at least all of the details that I'm aware of. And so finally, let's review what has been disproven about this famous theory. It is said that the fact that the Olympic went on to serve 24 years is simply because the damage to the ship was repaired, and that the assumptions of how badly it's damaged were proven that it wasn't badly damaged at all. Looking at the portholes, the additional portholes on the Titanic when it set sail are explained as she received two extra for better light and air. That's a quote. I'm pretty sure that quote is from White Star Line as well. 
The window difference is explained as two private verandas and suites were added to the Titanic, hence necessitating a change with the window configurations. Also a quote from White Starline, I believe. The nameplate speculation is explained as during the Titanic's construction in the particular photograph that is referenced. The name was not very clear in the photo, so the photographer who took the photo, he took the liberty of sketching in the nameplate. This was actually not an unusual practice of the day. The image of the letters M and P in the documentary of the sunken Titanic, these are computer generated and fake. Robin Gardner, who worked on the documentary that included and highlighted these letters, admitted it was fake in 2013. As for the coal strike, a source claims that they were not in the middle of a coal strike. In fact, the coal strike ended four days before the Titanic sailed. I would just like to point out, though, that source was not smart for saying that and trying to disprove that detail because the coal strike ending four days before it set sail proves that there was a coal strike during the construction. A ship cannot be built within four days before it sets sail, but I like to include everything I find for you to form your own opinion. So, moving along, another source says, for the claim of the Olympic name on the lifeboats, quote, there is no documented evidence to verify this, end quote. So, according to this person, due to it not being verified in a photo, it should not be considered to support the theory. Understandable, but just noting that multiple survivors did claim to have seen this. As for James Fenton, a source claims that, quote, while elements of Fenton's background can be validated, there is no proof that a man of that name was ever on board the Titanic. His name is not in any of the crew lists or among any of the survivor lists, end quote. Looking at the Californian, a source pointed out that, quote, first and foremost, the Californian would be a ridiculous choice as a rescue vessel, and she had a total capacity of 47 passengers and 55 crew members. Titanic was carrying over 2,200 and could have potentially been carrying more than 3,000 if fully occupied, end quote. Lastly, looking at the insurance numbers, this quote says, the Titanic costed $7.5 million and was insured for $5 million. This quote is backed up by the IMM's American vice president who confirmed the numbers. Continuing the quote, Were there a conspiracy theory, one would expect that the insurance policy would have been changed to cover the entire value of the ship. As it was, White Starline could only expect to recoup two-thirds of the ship's value. A final statement I would like to include is from someone who studied the theories. It says, quote, I would have to say the question remains open. I do not have enough concrete information to say that the ship at the bottom of the Atlantic is the Titanic. I'm going to also go into more detail about my opinion since this one is my favorite theory to talk about. I personally do believe that the ships were switched. This is the only theory that I have ever learned about to which I am fully on board with a theory and the details backing it up. Not every detail, but a majority of them. The documentarians who faked finding the letters M and P honestly really gets me heated because of the discredit they bring. But the leaning issue with no explanation, the portholes in the windows whose 
only excuse was for better light and air. No offense, but how large is a porthole? Was it worth it? Did the two really impact the light quality? Also, I would like to trust survivors' accounts and words on the lifeboats, and it is interesting that multiple crew members, not just James Fenton, by the way, waited till their deathbeds to admit that it was not the Titanic, but the Olympic. Lastly, I find it funny how the person discrediting the Californian detail used words such as ridiculous because it discredits them in my opinion. The only thing that gets me is the fact that the insurance on paper only covered two-thirds of the cost of the ship. But that's on paper. Behind-the-scenes deals happen all the time, I'm sure, especially in that time period. Allegedly. As a healthy reminder, though, these are conspiracy theories and are completely speculation. I'm not saying any of these are true or accusing anyone of anything. It is complete speculation. I include at the end of every one of my episodes a famous true crime case of the week suggestion for listeners to look into on their own time, and I'm giving famous serial killer case suggestions. After discussing the Titanic ship today, why not suggest the man who has the word ship in his name? Shipman. Harold Shipman, to be exact. He actually even has the nickname Dr. Death, which you may or may not recognize, but you will have to look into that case on your own time to find out more details. Thank you for anyone who listened in and for being a part of this 10-part limited series. I enjoyed it, I had fun, and I may or may not return eventually because I love providing an entire episode dedicated to each theory. Once again, my name is Taylor O'Very, and thank you again for listening to Busy Buddy.